And we started a new series last week with kind of an odd title. Um, the series that we started that's going to go for about two months is entitled By Popular Demand. And you say, well, what's that about? Does the pastor become the, the DJ that this is the all-request weekend? And that you can, you know, call up your local pastor DJ and say, preach a sermon about that. That's not what it is. Um, By Popular Demand is a group of sermons that I want to preach about, basically a group of topics I want to preach about that are the the main questions and topics that I get over and over and over as a pastor. You see, when you come to me a lot of times with a question, you say, you know, Pastor Mark, what about this? A lot of times you think you're the only one who thinks that. But what I found over 24 years of being a, a lead pastor is that it's, it's almost this, always the same questions. That people come in and they ask a question that somebody asked me six months ago, or they, they're wrestling with something. And so I learned there are certain things that, that come up all the time. And so today I want to talk about a topic that I've been asked about quite a bit. Matter of fact, it's probably the only topic I'm going to preach about that somebody repeatedly has specifically said, would you preach about this topic? And so, but it's a question, a topic that I'm asked about quite often. And this is what I want to talk about today. It just says, as Christians, are we to keep the Sabbath? Rondi, your sermon title. <laughs> so you get the all-request weekend. What's, what's the Bible say about it? Are we to, to, cre- uh, to keep the Sabbath? What's it mean for us? As Christian people, are we supposed to be Sabbath keepers? Because we read in our Bible that there's Ten Commandments and, and we, you know, we put them on the wall on our, our little you know, plaques and we, say, and we put them at courthouses and we say, these are the Ten Commandments and, and we have no problem with saying, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not commit adultery. But we say, what about this one that says, honor the Sabbath to keep it holy. You know, what do we do with that one? And, and I'm, I'm really happy to be able to talk about this today because I think it's an incredibly interesting topic because within the church world, with people who are honest God followers, Christ followers, and honestly love Jesus and honestly love his word, there's just incredibly broad views on this topic. And, and, and I want to say up front, you know, some things are things to argue about and some things aren't things to argue about. You must be born again is a thing to argue about. I think this is really important and it's really essential and it, you're going to find out it's really, really good for us to understand this, but I don't think it's necessarily something to argue about. And so I can accept the fact that different people have different views on this topic and I have my view and I'll show you what I think is, what I think is the right biblical view. Um, and if I didn't think it was the right biblical view, I'd hold a different view. But I think it's the, the right biblical view. Um, and, but I, but I want to say there's a, there's a bunch of different topics. So there are some today, kind of the, the overview of what people believe, there are some today that believe that the, the commandment to honor the Sabbath must be still followed exactly according to the letter of the Old Testament law. So what do these people do? They worship on Saturdays. And what would be a group of people that we would think of in our community that believes that? Seventh-day Adventists. It's in their name. That is such an important thing to them. And I've known people who attend Seventh-day Adventist Church who are wonderful Christian people, love Jesus with all their heart, and they do their best to honor the Word. And they say, you know what? The Sabbath is on Saturday. Um, Which, by the way, it is on Saturday. Christianity doesn't change the Sabbath day. God's the one who selected what day it is. So it is the Sabbath is Saturday. And so these folks meet on Saturday, they worship on Saturday, um, and because they follow very closely to Old Testament law and tradition, they're very strict about what they would do on the Sabbath, what they can do, what they can't do 
on the Sabbath. And so friends that we knew um, that were Seventh-day Adventists, Saturday we could never do anything with them because that was a day that was just for rest and worship, nothing else. And so um, that, that group exists in our culture today. But there's also this other group that exists in our culture who think that the Sabbath commandment really, kind of as is written, applies to us today, kind of just the way it did um, in the Old Testament, but that God wants us to worship on, sa- on Sunday instead of Saturday. And they, look at old, and they look at New Testament teaching, and they see that the early church worshipped on Sundays, and so these Christian people, call the, they call it the Christian Sabbath, and they set it on Sundays, and that's the day they celebrate Jesus' resurrection, so that's why they do it on Sunday. And these folks, you know, they meet on Sundays, and, and they, they worship, and they have also generally pretty strict rules about what's allowable on Sundays, what you can do, what you can't do. And I would say this, I think if you want to really get the idea of it, Kind of 1950s American church culture. Remember the old, there was blue laws? Some of you don't even know what that means, but blue laws. You know, I'm not that old, but I remember when nothing was open on a Sunday, where you had to, you had to calculate if you could drive to a certain place because there was probably no gas station open. So you couldn't go too far. You couldn't go to northern Wisconsin on a Sunday because there were no gas stations open. And so you had to think about it. You couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays. You couldn't do a lot of things on Sundays. And so that's kind of that group that, you know, it's still the Sabbath. We still keep it the same, but we've moved it from Saturday to Sunday. Now there's another group that's kind of um, on the other end of the extreme, and I think we're going to fall somewhere in the middle of the last two I talk about, that there are others who think that the Sabbath commandment has no application whatsoever to Christians, and the reason they would say it is because it's the only commandment of the ten that the New Testament never really supports. As a matter of fact, the rest of the commandments the New Testament not only supports, but in some ways makes even more restrictive, and we think of it the other way around as far as because it goes from action to heart. It goes from Jesus saying, you've heard that you shouldn't kill, but I say if you hate somebody, you've murdered them in your heart. So it goes from action to intent. But in the New Testament, we find the opposite about Sabbath. Jesus kind of saying, well, you've heard it this way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, but this, these other things are acceptable on the Sabbath. And so, and, and, and that's, it's accurate to say that the, that the New Testament does not um, really support or reinforce Old Testament type Sabbath keeping rules and rituals. So the question is this for us today. Which one is right? How do we, how do we view this? What should we do? You guys are in church on Sunday. How many are not in church on Sunday in this room? Obviously, this is an important topic, or it's a very incredibly relevant topic, because you chose to not go somewhere else today. You chose to come here today for a reason. And, and I want to look at this and say, what's right? Let's figure this out from God's Word. So grab your Bibles, and let's turn to the Gospel of Mark, focusing primarily on, on this, because what we, you know, we want to figure out what to do, so let's look to the Scriptures. That's what we always do. Let's look to the Old Testament, because that's the theology that we understand is the fulfillment of the Old. And let's look to the words of Jesus, because He's the Master Teacher, right? And the Son of God. So let's look at what He has to say about it. So Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 23. It says, And it happened that He, and who's He here? Jesus, capital H, right? It happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. So it's on Saturday. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. So think, they're going through like a wheat field or a corn field or something, and they're picking the grain that's there, and they're they're picking it, they're beginning to eat it. And the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, 
of Judaism were saying to him, look, what are they doing? What is not, they, look what they are doing, what is not lawful on the Sabbath. And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and he ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and he also gave it to those who were with him. And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they were watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful? Or is it, are we breaking the law? The Jewish law, the Ten Commandments. Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger... Grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him, how they might destroy or kill Jesus. Now understand, what we find in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that Jesus was always challenging the religious ideas of the people of his day. We read through the Gospels and we find out that he's primarily at this point only ministered to, the, to Jewish people. And he, we find out he challenged their ideas about what they believed about fasting, what they believed about healing, what they believed about casting out demons. And now he comes and he challenges probably the most important religious observation that they have in their culture. He challenges the idea about what they believe it means to be a Sabbath keeper. Um, and this is the heart of, what they, of, of their entire worship structure. So Jesus comes and he challenges it. Now Jesus is challenging their religious ideas because of a reason. Because he wanted to do something for their benefit. He wanted to pull the people beyond their dead ritualistic religion into a living relationship with God. That's why he didn't challenge their, their thinking just to be cantankerous. He didn't challenge your thinking just to be a troublemaker. He challenged your thinking because he knew there was more for them, something better for them. And so he challenges your thinking, trying to pull them beyond their, their empty religion into a living relationship with God. And understand something, friends, that's what he does for us every day. That's why he challenges us in, as we read the Word. That's why what I believe he wants to do with us today is he wants to challenge us beyond religion into a living, vital relationship with God. But the reality was... That in his, that day, their religious practices were actually getting in the way of their right and proper connection with God. But even Sabbath keeping. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about their situation so that we can understand it and then we can also apply what Jesus was getting at in their situation to our situations. Because you're here on Sunday and obviously this is a big deal or we wouldn't be here. So the question is, what were their ideas about Sabbath keeping? And were their ideas getting in the way of what God really had for them with a right relationship with Him? And, and were they missing the mark on what Sabbath keeping was really supposed to be? Were they, were they getting what they weren't supposed to have and missing what they were supposed to have? And that's what I want to talk about today. So first, let's understand something about the Sabbath. 
from its very foundation, very foundation idea of why God gave the Sabbath, because they, they had forgotten that. And we need to understand it today. So let's understand this. The Sabbath was and is intended to be a gift from God. Did you know that's what it really was? It's not about a rule. The Sabbath was and is intended to be a gift given by God to His people. He's going to give a gift. One day out of seven, you get to set it aside for rest and worship. You see, in Scriptures, the first time the Sabbath was ever mentioned was not in the Ten Commandments. The first time the Sabbath was ever mentioned in Scripture was in Exodus chapter 16, right after the Israelites were delivered by God from Egyptian slavery. So remember, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God raises up Moses. He leads them out of the land of Egypt. They're in the wilderness, and God gave them something to eat. What was it He gave them to eat? Manna. In Exodus 16, it's talking about God giving the gift of manna. And God was telling them about the manna that they would be eating for the next, they didn't know, but for the next 40 years. It was just this stuff that it said was like dew on the grass, on the ground, and it would turn into like a wafer, and they would grind it up, and they would boil it, and they would eat it. For 40 years they ate that. And God was telling about this manna, because no one had ever seen this in the history of the world, because it had never existed before. He's telling them about how they would eat it, and that how um, on every day they should go and gather the manna just enough for that day. Just enough to eat for that day. And if they kept more, it would get all moldy and wormy and they shouldn't do that. So just that much to depend on God every single day. He said, except on the sixth day of the week. On that day they should gather twice as much, so that on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath day, that they didn't have to gather, they didn't have to cook, they didn't have to prepare, but on that day they would be free from any work. That it would be a Sabbath rest for them. And I want you to understand the significance of this. These aren't, these, this isn't written to you and me. These are slaves. These are people who lived in slavery for 400 years, and they had been making their life, their whole living, look at what happened with Moses, making bricks for Pharaoh. They were enslaved. They were hard workers. They had no rights. They had been making bricks all day, every day, day in, day out, no days off, no rest, and God sets them free from slavery. And then God, as he, after he sets them free, gives them a gift. He gives them a day of rest every seven days. What an incredible blessing. They've been working seven days a week as slaves. God brings them into the wilderness, and he says, you're going to work for six, but on one day. I'm just going to give you this gift. I'm going to give you a blessing. You get to rest. Matter of fact, you don't even have to go out and collect the food, which is only the food you picked up off the ground. You don't even have to do that. All you have to do is just rest and worship. You see, the Sabbath was meant to be a blessing. It was meant to be a gift. The Sabbath was meant to be something that would bring joy to God's people. God looked at him and said, you're not slaves anymore. You're free. And as free men, I'm going to give you this one day in seven, and you're going to rest. But what was the reality by Jesus' day, all these thousands of years later? By Jesus' day, the religious leaders, probably not on purpose, but the religious system had distorted the Sabbath. And they had added all kinds of rules to keeping the Sabbath. Rules about how far you could walk, how much you could lift, what you could eat. Crazy rules. Rules that said you couldn't look in a mirror because you might see a gray hair, and if you see a gray hair, you might pull it out and that's work. Crazy rules. These were real rules. That's honest rule. 
that you couldn't wash because you might drip water on the floor, and if you drip water on the floor, you might wipe it up, and that's washing the floor. And so you can't do that. They added all these incredible rules to it, you know, and, and you know, these rules might have been well-intended. Matter of fact, I would say this, because people always are bashing on, on the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the Jewish system, but understand, I think those rules were probably well-intended when they originally created them. You know, most religious traditions that we have, that, and we all have them, most religious traditions, most rules um, do start out with good intentions to try to help people really live the way God wants them to really live. So we put parameters in place. But you find out, we find out something that, that then people just live by the parameters and the rules. And, and that and can end up an empty religion. So the rules might have been well-intentioned, but by Jesus' day, understand this, the rules had become the focus of the day. Instead of the focus being on the individual person's relationship with God. The rules were all of the, the focus was just keep the rules. So in their case, by this time, their religious rules, their religious activity, had act, was actually hindering their relationship with God, because they're not focusing on God at all, they're focusing on rules. Then one day, this guy that they think is crazy, comes walking on the scene, and his name is Jesus. He's a carpenter's son, and he's doing all these incredible miracles. And he does something that to them was blasphemous. He calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. We just read that. And apparently in their thinking, their perspective, he begins to break the Sabbath rules. All the rules they have in place and he starts breaking them. And that's what we just read in Mark. He allows his disciples to pick grain on the Sabbath. And he... he 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 allows them to not only pick it, but he allows them to probably work it and eat it on the Sabbath. We read that he also not only picks, allows them to pick rain, he goes up to a man in the synagogue in church and he heals him on the Sabbath, doing work, in their opinion, on the Sabbath. And when he did those things, these actions absolutely shocked and offended the religious-minded Jewish leaders because it didn't fit into their box of how they thought the Sabbath should be kept. Because they really thought the Sabbath should be kept. But it didn't fit into their box and thinking, how should this really work? And so they thought, he has to be wrong. In fact, it got them so angry. What did it say in, in chapter 3, verse 6? It says, let's kill him. So they began to conspire together about how they might destroy Jesus. They said, this guy's a blasphemer. They couldn't see who he was. They couldn't understand what he was doing. Because their traditions of keeping rules became their whole, their whole focus of their walk with God. And they didn't really think about the walk with God. So when God himself walks into their life, they can't even see him. Because the rules are blinding them. But understand something. Jesus wasn't trying to get them angry. Rather, he was trying to get them to understand why God had given them the Sabbath. That the Sabbath was given to them by God to be a gift. The Sabbath was given them by God to be a blessing. So he tells them in, in Mark chapter 2... He says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. He says, God did this for you. The Sabbath is meant to be a gift. God gave it to man. He didn't create man to keep laws. He gave these rules to help, these things, these gifts to help you live the life of blessing that God has for his children. See, God had established the Sabbath to be a special, regular, extended time between him and his children. A whole day every single week to be a time of blessing um, from, from God to his people. 
Just take time to set it aside to be with God. He said every, every week, one out of seven, I'm going to give you the gift of just being with me, being with God for a whole day. So when Jesus called people into a relationship, come and follow me, when he would, when he would heal people, when he would feed people on the Sabbath, he wasn't dishonoring the Sabbath at all like they thought. Rather, he was fulfilling the Sabbath as a time of blessing for God's children. He blessed people. He healed them. He fed them. He cared for them. He called them into relationship. Always on the Sabbath trying to say, listen, I am accomplishing the Sabbath's real intent. The Sabbath is designed to be a blessing from God to his people. Now, does that make sense so far? We're getting the idea of what the Sabbath is all about, right? Now, it's all well and good. It's a nice little history lesson on what the Sabbath is all about. But the question is this, how does it apply to us? So how does it apply to you and me, this, this history lesson? And I think the answer is really twofold. And the first one is about religion, and the second one is particularly about the Sabbath. But just the first one is about religion as a whole. The first thing on how it applies to us is this. Understand, church, that our religious practices should never get in the way of a real relationship with God. Our religious practices should never get in the way or be a barrier to a real relationship with God. And it does happen all the time. And so we have to be responsible to examine our own religious life and religious traditions to see is, are we keeping traditions or are we walking with God through Christ His Son? And that's not easy to do. Because when you grow up in something, you just believe it's right. And like the Pharisees, you, for, you stop thinking about it and you just do it. You see, most people, all of us, have some type of religious practices. You know, we attend church for us on Sundays. Uh, used to do it on Saturday night. And I've got to tell you, I'm looking forward to the day we can start a Saturday night service again. You know, we, we did it because we launched it, planted a church, and we, and we, you know, we, we pulled together to plant the church. But as, as we keep growing, eventually I want to see a Saturday night service again. So, uh, so we do, we have traditions. Now we, we meet on Sundays. We sing songs. We raise our hands. Some people think, what is that tradition about? People raising their hands. You guys are a bunch of kooks. Hey, I was born and raised in a denominational church. First time I watched, walked into church, they were raising their hands. I thought that, you know, these people are a bunch of devil worshipers. That's what I thought. I thought, what a bunch of crazy people. They're nuts. You know, you've got to understand, when God brings in a German Lutheran into this church, they think the same things. So there's a balance between free expression and giving up some of your free expression in order to, to minister to someone God loves and, and, and you bring your neighbor to church. And so, uh, but you know, we have religious traditions. We sing, we clap, we study God's word. We stand and say, the Bible says this, turn with me. And we look in the Bible together. It's not, not all places do that. We pray for the sick. You know, we go on prayer retreats. We do all kinds of things. You know, and these practices may all be well and good. But they can become barriers between us and God if we're not careful. You know, a person can be so set in their ways about the rituals that they do, the things that they do, that they blindly follow a religious system and miss God in the, in the midst of all of it. You say, that's impossible. No, it's not. I lived that way for years. Went to church. They baptized me. I was confirmed. I took communion. I sang in the choir. I went to Sunday school. Matter of fact, I used to beg my mom and dad, can I please go to Sunday school? You know, um, lots of religious activity, but I never knew Jesus for one minute. Didn't really have any relationship with Christ. Was not born again. Did not know the Lord. I really, I wasn't. 
To me, the religious activity actually, in my life, got in the way of really knowing God for a reason. Because the religious system was trying to convince me that I was really okay with God when I knew inside my heart I wasn't okay with God. So when I went to the church and I talked to the people who were my leaders about, is this all there really is? And they said, yeah, that's all there really is. You're fine, don't worry about it. You think too much. I've been told that a lot of times in my life. I really have. (laughs) But I think, (laughs) therefore I am. (laughs) The church told me that I was just fine, even though I felt spiritually empty and in need. And a lot of you had the same experiences. You came out of some church, and I'm not bashing those churches. Some people really serve God in them, but I was raised and I didn't see the truth of it. But you know what? I came out of that and I found a place where they said, but you can have a relationship with God, and it was freedom. The first time I ever heard it, I said, that's what I've been looking for my whole life, and I didn't even know I was searching. And I received Christ, and it changed my life from that day on. So there's a danger in the religious activity, because one can go through the motions without it ever really touching their heart. Now, there's, here's the key to the whole thing. Tune in with this if you haven't got anything else so far. Here's the key. How can this happen? This occurs when somebody actually believes that the religious activity in and of itself in some way imparts God's favor or grace into their lives. And let me give you an example. We celebrate communion around here. Um, for us, generally once a month, generally the first Sunday of the month, we do it on special occasions. There's nothing, we, don't, we, don't have, we can't go to the Bible and say do it once a month. We do it once a month as a church um, in our Sunday morning worship and we do it other services too. Um, some places do it every week. That's fine. Communion is a wonderful activity. It was instituted by God himself. It's an ordinance, we call it an ordinance of the church. Super important. It serves this incredibly important purpose of getting us to think about really what's most important, at least it's supposed to, um, to think about the seriousness of sin. It talks about the death of Christ. It points us to Jesus for forgiveness. It talks about an ongoing relationship with Christ. It's a time of celebrating what Jesus has done. It talks about the new relationship we have with Christ from the Old Testament to the new, a new covenant in His blood, now just completely based on the fact that the Old Testament proved that you can't live for God. It's impossible to keep the rules. And He says, now guess what? Let me just forgive you and come in relationship with me and I'll, I'll help you. I'll write my laws on your heart. It reminds us of all that. And it looks forward to the fact. He says, do this until I come back. It looks forward to the fact that Jesus is returning. All of those things are well and good. But here's my question. Is someone actually made right with God by taking communion? Are their sins forgiven because they eat a wafer and drink some juice? No, they're not. The activity, although incredibly spiritual and incredibly special... The, 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 the activity does not do spiritual work. The activity causes us to look to God, reminds us of the truth of who He is and what He's done and what He's going to do, so that we'll look to God so that He can minister to us and we can appreciate Him. It's a, it's a system put in place to get us to remember and to celebrate what's important. The actual elements don't do the work. God does the work. Now listen. When someone puts their faith, though, in the religious activity, that I'll take communion or I'll keep the Sabbath. Christian Sabbath, Sunday. I'll go to church. Just going to church. How many people talk about going to church? You know the Bible? I'm going to 
may well preach about this in the near future in this, in this series. The Bible never tells you to go to church. We have a misconception so big, we think we go to church, therefore people just go, they go to church here, they go to church there. Oh, my schedule doesn't allow me to go to church here, so I'll just go to church over there. God never called, told you to go to church. God said, you are the church. Until you get that idea in your head, you will never live in the blessing that God has for you. Because God created you on purpose to be part of the church body He placed you in. And you find fulfillment in life when you fill that role in a local church body. He says, every one of you are a part of the body. Some is a hand, some is a foot, some is a mouth. And until you fulfill that, find that fulfillment and connectivity in the body of Christ, something's always missing. So you think, if I run here, there, and somewhere else, I'll find it somewhere else. You won't, because you're still trying. And so the reality is, God places us somewhere. Now, we said when somebody puts their faith in religious activity, taking communion, or I'll just keep the Sabbath, or this is what they say in our community, and I'm not bashing them for saying this, I go to Mass. If I just go to Mass, I keep these seven things, I, one of them is go to Mass, then I'm alright with God. That's not what God's teaching, that's not what Jesus is teaching. They say, then I'll be okay with God if I just do the stuff. That's missing the point. If you do that, then your religious activity has become a barrier to a right relationship with God. Because you're focusing on the stuff instead of on the man, the God, Jesus himself. Church, listen. Let's be people who continually seek the genuineness of a life lived in the fullness of Jesus Christ filled with His Spirit, living out this reality that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, and that you, are, you have been saved on purpose, called with a purpose, and, his, and He's got incredible plans for you in a relationship with Him. Let's never settle for religious activity over a loving relationship with the Lord. Religious activity can, can be one, a factor in causing that to happen. So, that's the first thing we can learn from Jesus' teaching about the Sabbath. But there's another one in particular that we want to talk specifically now about the Sabbath. So let's look at the second thing, the second and the last thing today. Second thing is this. And I'll just say it as a statement. We should, should, I believe, ought. You know the word ought's not used anymore? No one wants to do what they ought to do? That's, that ought to be a sermon in itself. Because we ought to do a lot of things because it's good for us. But everybody says, I want to do what I want to do. Oh, I don't feel like it. I didn't feel like getting up and coming to church today. <laughs> a lot of you didn't. But you ought to. Because it's a good thing. Because you're going to meet with Jesus. Because we're not going to settle for tradition, right? So the second thing is this. We should or we ought to set aside one day in seven for rest and worship. Jesus said it really clearly. He said, the Sabbath was made for man. I think that includes you and me. Right? The Sabbath was made for man. He didn't say the Sabbath was made for Jews. Sabbath was made for man, I could say it this way, men and women who follow him as Lord and Savior. It's still a gift. It's intended to be a gift. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. It's for us. However, I want you to understand what that means. What I'm not talking about when I'm saying this, I am not talking about keeping a law, a list of rules and regulations, that dictates that we must do certain things and refrain from certain things on a certain day. I'm not saying we simply recreate Old Covenant Judaism, Sabbath keeping and move it to Sunday or wherever you want to move it to. I'm not saying 
keeping that is about doing certain things and refraining from certain things on a particular day of the week. In fact, I will say this, the New Testament says it's not about a certain day. Romans chapter 14, verse 5 and 6 says this. It says, one man esteems one day above another. So we say, oh, the Sabbath is Saturday. Oh, the Sabbath is Sunday. One man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Saying, oh, they're all the same. Let every man be fully persuaded in his mind. He that regards the day a certain way, regards it unto the Lord. And he who regards not the day to the Lord, he does not regard it. He that eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he that eats not, in other words, fasts on certain days, to the Lord he eats not and gives God thanks. Thank you, God, I can fast. What he's saying is different people will see it a little bit differently. Some people are going to say this is the holy day. Some people are going to say there is no holy day. And the point's not about keeping a certain day. Here's the point. It's not about a day. It's not about a law. This is what the Sabbath is about. And write it down. It's about wisdom. Keeping one day in seven is about biblical wisdom. I'm talking about recognizing some realities about who you are and who I am. It's recognizing the reality of how humans act and think. And who knows more about how humans act and think than God himself? No one. He created us. And we talk about recognizing the reality of how we act and think. We have to put into place some parameters, some guardrails, some guidelines that assist us to get us to where we really want to go. You know you're on a journey. You're on a journey with Jesus every day if he's your Savior and Lord. You're supposed to be. And he's trying to get us someplace. Someplace, we think of it so much as a physical thing, but it's more of a, of a place in here of connectivity with God and, and fullness of joy and fullness of life walking with Him. He's trying to get us to that place. And for us, that destination should be a lifestyle where we and our families are physically and spiritually healthy and renewed. That's where God wants us to be. A place we are, where we're not exhausted and empty, and our tanks are are completely drained, physically and spiritually. He wants us to live in a place, in 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 a state, where although we are busy at times, we always come back to the place of finding physical and spiritual health and renewal in Christ. But here's the fact about humanity. From Jesus' day till today, and through my great, great, great grandchildren, if Jesus tarries, will be the same about people. The fact is, people generally fill their lives usually overfill their lives with all kinds of stuff. Some important stuff, some fun stuff, some wasteful stuff, some beneficial stuff. But rarely will we choose what is ultimately the best stuff. It's just the way we are as people. We don't do it right. So God says, I want to bless you. God says, I got a plan to keep you in a situation where you can find rest and fulfillment and, and the joy that I have for you the right way because it only comes through Christ. So he says, I'm going to place some parameters of a thing called the Sabbath. The Sabbath rest into your life schedule. He says, I want to give you this blessing. Build the parameters of a, of a Sabbath rest into your life schedule. Deciding in advance to set aside one day in seven. What it does is it causes us to prioritize what is really the most important for our success and the success of our families. And listen to me, dads and moms. We're responsible for the success of our kids 
and our grandkids. And we need to make right choices for them, for their sake. And God's given us some guidelines to help bless them and bless us as a family. And we're responsible then to listen to it and say, I, want, I, need, to, I need to impose those guidelines and those parameters as a blessing into my life. Not as a religious ritual, but as a blessing into my life. You know, you guys know that a couple months ago, Suzanne and Brett and I, because Josh did it anyways, began to go to the Y two or three days a week. There was a reason for it. It was, it was physical and spiritual. I said, man... I'm 49 years old. I'm almost 50. And I hurt. <laughs> and I'm sore. And I'm tired. And I'm wore out. And God said, get off your lazy butt and start to work out. I'm too tired to work out, God. He says, no, you're too tired because you don't work out. And so we began to work out. And we feel good. And we feel great. And we've all dropped a bunch of weight. And we feel good. It was parameters in our life. God said, I got some things you need to put in your life to get you healthy so you can serve me for a long time so you don't croak of a heart attack when you're 55, Mark. I'm just getting you to the point where you're starting to listen to me. And now you're going to die. You know, you're like your dad and your, your uncles who all had heart attacks. You know? And so get in shape so I can actually start to use you once you're pliable. And you're all in the same boat. We don't start listening until we're a little bit older. We think we do. We think we do, but we really don't. We get it when we're a little older. So God wants to place some parameters, lovingly parameters in our lives, into our schedules. And we decide in advance, not the day of, we decide in advance that one day in seven is God's plan. And so we prioritize what is really the most important for our success and the success of our families. See friends, we continually, continually need time of spiritual and physical refreshing and renewal. And God said, set aside one day in seven. Pastor Pete, I love prayer retreats. And Pastor Pete always says something on prayer retreats, and he's, he's right when he says it. He says, I've learned that every day a year I set aside three days, and God always brings me back on. Well, you must be better than me. And I'm not saying it's somewhat joking, but you are. Because I need one day in seven. I drift a lot. And so do you. And one time a year is cool, but one time a year doesn't cut it for me. I've got to set aside one day in seven. Because in seven, six days, I can get off the path pretty far. And God wants to constantly bring me back on. So he says, great, set aside times renewal. I do it. I'll be going on retreat, three-day sound per retreat coming up in a little while. But you know what? Every week I need to get back on track. And God said, I want you to stay on track. So one day in seven, set it aside for rest and renewal. God knows we need it regularly. So he tells us to set aside one day every single week. And you know what I find? If we say, oh, I just can't do that. I'm too busy then we need to really evaluate our lives. If we want, this is not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of health and blessing. And say, if I want the best health and the best blessing, I better make some serious adjustments to my life. I might maybe make some hard decisions. I even maybe need to make some career changes to get healthy, stay healthy, so that I can be the best for God I can possibly be. See, God wants to bless you with a Sabbath rest. And here's what I find. The Sabbath rest, I honestly believe the, the huge part of it historically in God's Jesus' plan is that it is tied to you coming to your local church every week. To your local church where you are a part of the body. Because God ministers to you different in this environment than he does in an environment where you're a stranger. And I have found that it's when I'm generally in my, in my body, church body, set aside on the Sabbath, that it's those times that God generally when I hear from God. Generally when I hear from God saying, Atta boy, and generally when I hear from God say, uh, Mark, you're getting off track a little bit. 
you know what, you better go fix that. That's when I generally hear it, when I'm the Sabbath rest day, when I'm coming and worshiping in a situation where, I'm, where I feel at ease and comfortable because I'm not a stranger, I feel at ease and comfortable here so that I can open up my heart to hear the voice of God so He can speak to me. It's generally in that environment when God speaks to me. It's generally in that environment where I felt God's call in my life. It was in church on a Sunday when I felt God say, go into ministry. It's generally there where God fills you with His Spirit. For me, it was on a Sunday morning when God filled me in His Spirit in a church service. It's generally in a church service on the Sabbath when God corrects me and blesses me. Friends, you can drift from God and so he loves us so much that he says, just put this guideline in your life, this primary, one day in seven, where you can come to a place where your heart's more open because kind of like cheers where everybody knows your name. Right? And you, can, and you can be comfortable and you can worship because it's your family. And God can speak to you in a different way than he can speak to you anywhere else. See, friends, we need to be wise enough to understand that God really does know what's best for us and therefore we need to set aside one day in seven for spiritual and physical renewal not keeping some legalistic laws, but prioritizing worship and rest, and I believe in the church body where God has placed you. And I think that's one of the guidelines God has put in our life for great blessing. And who doesn't want to be blessed by God? So let's finish up today. Let's just remember Jesus' words. The Sabbath was made, put your name there, for Mark for Suzanne, for Pete, for John. The Sabbath was made for Mark and not Mark for the Sabbath. He did it for you because he loves you that much. And friends, he brought you out of the slavery of sin. He's given you new life in him to walk in freedom with him. It's God's blessing for his followers. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? As we pray in closing today, Maybe today, and this is between you and God, maybe as husband and wife you need to talk. Maybe today you need to set some parameters in your life, a priority up front, so that, so that on Sunday morning it's not a matter of, well, what should we do today? That it's just a parameter, it's a guideline built in your life. You set a priority, a parameter in your life of blessing, and you choose, friends, you choose the best over good. There's tons of good things, but this is best. And you just as an individual or as a family, do something. Take charge of your own life. Stop letting somebody else run your life. You do what's best according to God. He's smarter than we are. Don't let the world run you. If you let the world run you, it'll run you ragged. It'll tell you everything else is more important. And you'll wake up someday sitting in a rocking chair and say, My goodness, I screwed up. Why did I do it that way? God smarter. Follow His way. Take charge of your own life and do what God wants you to do.